0: Now I want to pick up and develop the theme that we started at our devoted event. We talked about us being servants, us displaying servanthood to quote the prophetic that Ginny brought to us, us being the Joseph generation that arises to serve the world, to be the rescuers, those who bring hope and deliverance, those who bring light into darkness. And to do that, it's ever so important that we understand who we are. We understand what we minister out of, but primarily servanthood is our posture, but it's not our position. Our position is that we're in Christ. Our position is that we're sons and daughters of the King. Our position is that we're royalty. Our position is that we have access to the Father through Christ by the power of the Spirit. But our posture is that we serve, just like Jesus. You see, it says in John chapter 13, That Jesus, knowing exactly who he was, knowing where he had come from and knowing where he was going, nevertheless, got up and took the towel and washed the disciples' feet. We're not to be like the prodigal son who, on his way back, said, well, even the servants... can eat and perhaps I'll just go back and be a servant. No, the father run to him and said, this is my son who was dead but now is alive, puts rings on his finger and puts the robes on him and the sandals on him, the the signs of sonship. Dear friends, we're in Christ. The DNA of the Lord Jesus is in us and upon us and we serve because of our connectivity to him. We become Christ-like because we're in Christ and Jesus could have demanded such honour, he could have demanded such respect but actually as it says in Philippians chapter 2 our attitude should be just like the Lord Jesus although he was in very nature God didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped and held on to but actually made himself as nothing taking on the very nature of Of a servant, and that's what we're to do. You see, servanthood isn't something that you train in or graduate in. It's not kind of like a stepping stone to greatness. Oh, we start with servanthood and then we put that aside. No, servanthood isn't a stepping stone to greatness. It is greatness. It's being just like Jesus. And I love that scene. We haven't got time to unpack it this morning, but I love that scene in. Uh, Mark chapter 10 when the disciples have been squabbling amongst themselves on the road who's the greatest and Jesus says this and uh, he kind of pulls together two Old Testament themes two Old Testament characters and applies them to himself and he says this even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we're called to be like Jesus, and Jesus brought those two themes together. The two themes are, first of all, of the Son of Man from Daniel's vision. And uh, I guess when I was a, a child at Sunday school, uh, I thought when Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, that was kind of his humanity, and when Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God, that was his divinity, and uh, brought those things together. But actually. The son of man is a royal title. It's a wonderful title of power and authority. It comes from Daniel chapter seven. And this is what it says in Daniel. In my vision, there before me was one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And he was given glory, authority and sovereign power. And all nations and people of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. When Jesus says, even the son of man, he's talking about this glorious one with power and authority comes to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that brings us to the kind of second theme that Jesus talks about in Mark chapter 10. He then talks about serving and giving his life as a ransom for many. And that's a reference to the suffering servant. It's a reference to the servant in Isaiah. And particularly, we read about that in Isaiah 40 to 55, particularly Isaiah 53, where this mysterious servant-like messianic figure comes to give his life. We don't understand, but somehow in his shameful death, the suffering servant is going to bring freedom, true freedom, to God's people. Now, the people in Jesus' time, the Jews of his time, didn't understand what freedom was all about. They misinterpreted. They thought freedom was freedom from the oppression of Rome and the tyranny and the enslavement that they had politically. But actually, Jesus had come as the suffering servant. Jesus had come to give his life, not to free us from the tyranny of Rome, but to free us from the tyranny of sin, that which enslaved us. Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And the suffering servant came to give his life and to pay the penalty for our sin. So when he died on the cross, his sacrifice was the ransom. He was paying the price that should have been on our head. He willingly took it upon himself, paid the price, and in doing so, broke us free from the slavery and the tyranny of sin to now be free. Now, I don't think people fully understand freedom. The world certainly doesn't understand it. It talks a lot about freedom in our society at the moment. The truth is this. We're never truly free in some neutral way. We're either under the power and tyranny of sin, enslaved to sin, Or if Jesus gloriously breaks those chains, and if you're not a believer this morning, looking at this video, Jesus wants to break your chains of addiction. He wants to break your chains of lust and greed and temper. He wants to break your chains and bring you into a glorious freedom from sin, but a freedom to obey him and live for him. See, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. And he says this, you've been set free from sin, hallelujah, that you might become slaves to God. It's interesting, isn't it? We become his, we become owned by him. It's like now we're once enslaved to sin, but now we're enslaved to him. There's this inward pull in our hearts towards holiness, towards mercy, towards grace. It's these chains of love that now pull us. And I think if we're going to talk about servanthood, we need to understand that love and lordship go together. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we need to know the love of God compels us, constrains us, motivates us forward. But also it's the lordship of Jesus that we're no longer our own. And even as we come to this great offering, your money Is it yours or is it his? He's the Lord. Let me give you a modern day parable. I I love the writings of Charles Swindle, a great evangelical preacher and teacher of the word of God. And in his book called uh, Improving Your Serve, he talked, he gave this modern day parable uh, about the pearl of great price. I'm just going to read it to you now. Just imagine this uh, man who's been searching all his life for the greatest price the greatest pearl and he comes across in a shop this great pearl and he wants to buy it and this is what the conversation is between the pearl seller and uh, the man seeking the great pearl i want this pearl how much is it well the seller says it's very expensive but how much we ask well a very large amount but do you think i could buy it oh of course Everyone can buy it. But didn't you say it was very expensive? Yes, I did. Well, how much is it? Everything you have, the seller says. We make up our minds. We think, okay, all right, we'll buy it. Well, what do you have? The seller says. He wants to know. Let's write it down. Well, I have £10,000 in the bank. Be impressed. OK, good. We'll write that down. Anything else? Well, what do you mean, anything else? Well, I've had a few pounds here in my pocket. I, 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 I'll, I'll see what I can find. Oh, 20, 40, eight, or oh, 100 pounds. Good. That's fine. What else do you have? What do you mean? What else do I have? Well, where do you live? Well, I live in my house. Yes, I have a house. Oh, the house too, he says, becomes mine. But then i'll have to live in my caravan you have a caravan caravan becomes mine but then i'll have to live in my car you have a car well yes two of them both become mine what else well, what do you mean what else you already have my money my my house my caravan my cars are you alone in this world Well, well, no, I have a wife and two children. Oh, yes, your wife and children, too. They become mine. But But I'm alone now. I have nothing left. And then suddenly the seller exclaims, Oh, I almost forgot. You yourself, too. Everything becomes mine. Wife, children, houses, money, cars, caravans, and you, too. And then he goes on. Now, listen. I will allow you to use all these things for the time being. But don't forget that they are mine, just as you are mine. And whenever I have need of any of them, you must give them up because I am now the owner. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus has bought us with a price? The son of God loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's paid the price. We've been bought, dear friends, by the price of the blood of Christ. This is what Peter says. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So when we're thinking about servanthood, we need to understand these two things. We need to understand it's all about love. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me, if you love me. But it's also about lordship. If you love me, keep my commandments. He has paid the price. He is now the owner. He's the boss. He's the governor. What's all this got to do with giving? Everything, because it's all his. I'm not appealing to you to give some of your money. I'm asking you to ask him, what would he have you put in this great offering? It's all his. And when it comes to things like money, it tests our attitude. Do we really, have we really given all to him? Have we really understood that he's the owner? Have we really understood that he's Lord that he's the Messiah, the one who's ruling. he's the son of man, ascended with power and glory and authority and all the worship and the wonder and the might and the majesty goes to him. Have we understood that that affects how we live? In this context it affects our pockets but this is not a heavy thing, this is love and lordship. If you love me, keep my commandments and I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, a whole chapters about finance and giving. And it culminates in this massive statement when he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know about the grace of God that he's given to the Macedonian churches. Now, the Macedonian churches were really poor and needy. And he says out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy... And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Isn't it amazing? The Macedonians, the poorest of all, said, we want to be part of this offering too. I I can tell you this. My brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Africa, when they heard that we were taking this offering, they said, please, can we be part of it? That so blessed me. They wanted to be part of this great offering. They wanted to be part of the family even out of their poverty, just like the Macedonians, out of their joy, out of the grace of God that's at working in their lives, they wanted to be part of this great offering. This is delight, not duty. This is grace, not legalism. This is joy, not hardship. Dear friends, I want us to give this morning, however you give, whether that's In your Sunday gathering, if you're able to gather, whether it's online, whether you could visit the Christ Central website and give into this offering. It's a joyful thing. It's a delightful thing. Anne and I, we just love to give. It brings such joy to our hearts. We love giving into the COVID-19 appeal and we're going to love to give into this great offering. Whether you're giving a few pence or whether you're able to give thousands of pounds, it's not the amount, it's the heart And out of the heart, out of the overflow of what God's done in your heart, out of the fact that he's your lover, he loves you, and the love of Christ compels you, and he's your Lord, he's your master, he's your king, he's your owner. Let's give into this great offering. Now, you might ask, what is this offering for? Well, we've given primarily this year so far to help the relief of poverty, but what we will now want to give is to help our mission together, to strengthen our teams, our apostolic teams around the world. Groups of men and women, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all working together to do three things. Number one, strengthen your church. Just where you are right now, God wants to strengthen your church. He wants to serve us, to serve your church, to help you to be more effective in your mission, in your gospel proclamation, whatever city, town or village, country, nation you're in, we want to help strengthen you. We want our teams to help strengthen you. And that needs finances. It needs, to, it needs gifts to better help and to release and to give. Secondly, we want to continue to support local churches as they resource community action projects, social action we're so thrilled and grateful of our partnership with Jubilee Plus and uh, we want to continue working with them and helping local churches train equip strengthen you to be a servant in your community for your social action project whether that's helping out with finance whether it's helping out with food banks whether it's helping out clothes and house and whether it's refugee work, whatever the work is that God's called you to, God's called every local church to be serving in some aspect. So we want to help that. We want to stand with projects. We want to support and help. So it's strengthening local churches. It's helping local churches in their social action, their community projects. And thirdly, it's to break through into new areas and new territories it's to see new churches planted across the world it's to see new nations reached now to do this we need teams of men and women working together we're so thrilled that god's raising up apostolic teams across africa god's raising apostolic teams across the americas from canada and down into mexico god's raising apostolic teams in the middle east he's raising up apostolic teams right across europe We want to stand with those teams. We want to support those teams so that those teams can support you. This is about us working together. Now, it wouldn't be New Frontiers. It wouldn't be Christ Central if we didn't quote what God said to us right at the beginning of New Frontiers, that we can do more together than we ever can on our own. So whether it's a few pence or thousands of pounds, It's the togetherness of this offering that's going to reach your community, reach those who don't yet know Jesus, help the poor and the marginalised and also reach to the nations. We're called to be an ends of the earth people, whether that's the ends of the earth down your street or whether it's geographically the ends of the earth. This is what God has called us to do. I'd love to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they listen to this, that the motivation would come out of who they are in Christ, would come out of the great love God so loved the world that he gave. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. If you love me, keep my commandments. Thank you that the one who loved us is the Son of Man, the glorious, powerful Lord of all. And Lord, we just say to you, today you've got our hearts, Lord, and therefore you've got our pockets. Whatever you want us to give, we'll give. Say the word. I ask you right now, speak, and speak grace, and speak generosity, and speak great joy right now, in Jesus' name, we pray. Bless this offering, that it helps strengthen local churches, Let it help local churches serve their communities and let us help us together to go to the ends of the earth. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.